0: I'm so excited to share the She's Off Script Masterclass series with you. You've asked for more in-depth tools and resources and we've delivered. Join us on October 24th, starting at 10 a.m. Central for a free virtual Masterclass Summit. For our first summit, we're focused on creating generational wealth. We've lined up some money experts who'll give you concrete tools, resources, and advice you can use right away. There'll be no fluff here. Whether you're a side hustler, business owner, or just looking for ways to expand your financial legacy, this summit is for you. To save your free seat, go to masterclass.sewa.jpele.com. See you there.
1: Absolutely be the queen of Atlanta, of New York, of London, of Joburg, of Shanghai. I love it, but can you be the queen of your industry? So that regardless of where you are based, people know that if I want to find the best person who can do this, this is who I go to. And I want more of us to be thinking beyond our borders and those borders that we didn't even create for ourselves. I mean, historically and metaphorically, it's other people who come into our lives and say that, oh, you can't do this. Or, oh, maybe you should think a bit smaller. Or, oh, maybe that isn't a good idea. And then, of course, historically, it's other people who came into our markets and said, this is where you should live. This is how you should operate. And I'm like, I, that wasn't me. I didn't make that decision. Therefore, I do not need to subscribe to those borders that have been created by others. Hi, Offscripters.
0: It's your host, Sewa Pele, and welcome to episode 112 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. In today's episode, we meet Ifwa Osei, the co-founder of She Leads Africa. In 2012, Ifwa decided to take an internship in Nigeria and fell in love with the country. Born and raised in the DMV area, this move had her family looking at her sideways. Eight years later, she and her co-founder Yasmin have built a global digital lifestyle platform that has reached more than 800,000 millennial multicultural women across 100 countries. Today, you will find Ifwa on stages all over the world sharing resources on how digital entrepreneurs can think beyond their borders and build global brands. Before we hear the rest of Ifwa's story, I would love it if you could subscribe, rate and review our show on iTunes. This will help to spread the word about our podcast so amazing stories like Ifwa's can continue to inspire women looking to launch their own off-script journeys. With that, let's go off-script with Ifwa Osei, the co-founder of She Leads Africa. Ifwa Osei, welcome to She's Off-Script. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me and hey everyone. I'm so excited we can make this happen. But for any of our listeners who haven't heard of you, who haven't seen you on the virtual stage, could you share who you are and what you do?
1: Yes. My name is Aipua, right? And I'm so proud of Sewa for pronouncing it properly. That's actually my middle name. So I have a lot of experience with all of these names that are being discussed
0: today. Which I mean, when my Ghanaian sister comes on, I better get her name right. (laughs)
1: It's very rare. This might be the only time this has ever happened. So thank you. Thank you, sis, for welcoming me with such excellent pronunciation. I am an entrepreneur and a global growth coach. And I love both of those titles because I made both of them up for myself. I am from the DMV area. So shout out to everyone from PG County. My family is from Ghana. And I spent seven years living in Lagos, Nigeria. So I feel as if I am a third culture kid. That was a phrase that was popularized by Tai Selassie. And what it means is that there are lots of people whose family is from one culture, who grew up in another culture and then find themselves living with another identity and another space. And I bring that up as an introduction because I do feel as if my entire life has brought me to this point to just be roaming about amongst the people and amongst the culture. And my story and the way I've gotten here has all been about taking from history, from culture, from tradition, and finding ways to connect people and tell really exceptional stories and making those connections in ways that people didn't know was possible. In, you know, on paper, on paper, I was a management consultant. I was a political consultant, went to business school, went to policy school, did the whole corporate thing, and then realized that there was an opportunity to really provide a lot of resources and impact to young women like myself who wanted to be successful in their businesses and their careers. Started a business back in 2014. The business magically blew up And now I spend my days trying to grow and scale this business to reach millions and millions of people. And then also teaching other digital entrepreneurs how they can come together and build really fantastic business partnerships. That's me. And if you don't know me, I'm so excited to be connected with you.
0: I like how you said the business magically blew up. We know that the magic is you and your partner, but we need to dig into what that magic is because... Over here, we're all about introducing people to new blueprints for success. So hopefully we can learn from your blueprint. But you said, so seven years ago, you left the U.S., you moved to Nigeria, even though your parents probably thought you were insane. Oh, and <laughs> not probably. My mother said it with her whole
1: Absolutely entire so. mouth. She said it with her whole entire mouth. She was like, I watch their movies. I know what they're up to. I was just like, wow, I don't watch those movies. You shouldn't watch those movies. But I mean, I think it's I think it's gonna be cool. So I first went there in 2012 Mm. for a summer internship and I had a wonderful time. At the time I was in business school, I was recruiting for consulting firms and i'll be honest with you i was not pleased with what i was seeing you know i didn't just want to be the only black person in my office i didn't want to have to go to all of these special minority sessions and i'm like okay like i'll do it it's cool but i'm like this can't be my destiny in my future and i don't know why i'd be so excited to go be in such an isolating space so when i had the chance to go to lagos for this summer internship I ended up meeting a lot of other young people who were at consulting firms, but they were all brown. Mm-hmm. They were all young. They were all smart. They were all working at top consulting firms. And I was like, wow, this is such a different vibe, such a different energy. And if I'm going to do this work, then I can do this work in a really compelling space. And that's actually when I got the idea for SLA was during that summer in 2012 because I was like, I'm getting all of these opportunities, all of this coaching in business school, they're teaching you how to hold your networking drink, plus your hors d'oeuvres and still shake hands and enter into conversations. We all had personal career coaches. And I'm like, wow, this is actually how people are successful. It's not how smart they are, or how talented they are. It's Do they know the game? Do they have the playbook? Mm-hmm. Do they know how to operate in these spaces? And are these spaces designed for them? As someone with an immense and extreme privilege, I understand that I'm more likely to be able to navigate these spaces in a better way than someone who doesn't have the degrees, who doesn't speak the way that I speak, and how challenging that must be. And so it just seeing such a major difference, I said, no, 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 no. How can I use the access that I have to share with other people? So that's how this whole thing got started. My mother telling me, don't go there. And then me seeing an incredible opportunity to do something good for
0: people who look like me and then you stayed. But you know, for better or worse, I feel like the opinions of our family members weigh heavily on our entrepreneurial journey. I wonder how how has your family's opinion of your journey changed over the past few years?
1: The major blessing I have is that I am a middle child in my own calculation. So not technically, but I do the math because I have siblings that are much older than me and then I have a sibling who is much younger than me. So there's a lot of gap on either side. And I think the beauty and the blessing of being a middle child is just people not having your time and, you know, people just being- Agreed, I'm a middle child and I agree. (laughs) There you go, right? So when people are used to being like, oh, you know, she'll figure it out. I think also the blessing of- Being independent and always kind of being a good child, people give you a bit of leeway. And so there was plenty of, I don't understand what this girl is doing. I don't know why she's going to go do it there. Mind you, I was born and raised in the DMV. I've traveled a lot. I went to school in different states, but I am a regular, schmegular black girl from PG County. So when my parents were like, you're going to move to Lagos, Nigeria, they were really shocked. They didn't think I'd actually be able to handle it. 'Cause they were like, you are not rough and tough. You can't live in Africa. You like, you're too privileged. You can't do it. So there was part of it was like, okay, this girl, she's always doing wild stuff, let her be free. And the second part was like, you know, I don't think she can handle the environment. She'll come back soon. So I think, you know, in eighteen to twenty four months, that would have been cool. But then as the years started to roll on by, they were like, Okay, maybe she is onto something. I don't really know what she does. I don't know what it means to build a digital media company, but It seems like she's okay and she's safe and she's enjoying what she's doing. So let's let her continue. Love it. And now look at you.
0: So Mm -hmm. I know you'd mentioned you attempted to launch SLA on your own at first, but you didn't find success until you teamed up with your partner, Yasmin. So how did bringing on board a co-founder change the course of your business?
1: So what I think happened is that I... I grew as a person and I was more aware of my skills and my areas for development. I think that's so important for any first-time entrepreneur, anyone who wants to grow and scale. And then the best thing you can do is be really self-aware. And the more self-awareness you bring into the conversation, the easier it's going to be for you to delegate and for you to identify how you can be doing better. I feel as if all my time, as a manager, is just seeing the things that I don't do right and finding ways to do it better. So that first time trying to launch it definitely had lots of energy, lots of vision, lots of excitement. But it's very challenging to start a business in a space where you don't have connections. And I'm not Nigerian. i have never lived in Lagos before. I, When the first iteration of SLA started, I went back to school in Chicago. I went through my business school's business plan competition, which was fantastic around putting some structure and framework. But it's like, okay, if you're going to build a business and create a community, you really have to tap into a community. And that was missing. I was able to do an event in Accra, Ghana, which magically people, I, you know, I love magic. It's not magic, it's actually grace, right? So by the grace of God, people signed up and bought tickets and it went well, but it was a lot of hard work. And I'm like, something should be hard, but they shouldn't be that hard. So I really identified to say, okay, sis, what are you actually good at? What is it that you can trust yourself to deliver on? And where's it that other people can trust you? And where are those other areas of development that you're saying that you know, you're know you not the best at it, but if you found someone who also had those skills and those talents, you can come, they can come on board and to really add value. So my business partner and I were working at the same company. We were both consultants at the same company, didn't know each other well, but when she asked me about what I was working on and shared her interest, I said, at the most basic level, I know she must be smart enough because she got a job at this company. She probably is going to be a diligent hard worker because otherwise she would have been fired. And I need the assistance and help. And what I've seen over time is that we both have fallen into our lanes in which we know that these are the areas of expertise that we bring into the conversation. How can we work on projects, assignments, and tasks that allow us to amplify Mm -hmm. those skills? And in consulting, we used to call them spikes. These are the areas where we spike. And where do we need to give leeway and trust the other person for those other things that we're not as skilled at or we just really don't have the capacity or want to do.
0: Mm, I like that because if you're not that self-aware, you will work yourself to the ground and give up. And eight years later, you wouldn't find yourself where you are today.
1: Definitely, but I also see though is that people were like, "Wow, I, I found the wrong business partner," and it's Ooh. like because you probably weren't looking for the right kind of things. And any type of partnership is going to be challenging.
0: Mm.
1: I only know about business partnerships because you know ain't nobody married and kids out here, so I'm gonna leave that kind of advice to you, girl. But for me, it's like you know, have you really thought critically about the kind of person you want to bring into this business, and have mm. you asked the tough questions? How long do you want to be working on this? Some people want a lifestyle business where it's a side project. Other people want this to be their full-time thing. You have to be honest and consider and understand how people's lives change. You also want to ask questions about their work style. Are they a last-minute stress person or are they good at planning? You have to really be thoughtful and think about with intentionality that this is what I'm trying to create. How can I make sure that I'm bringing on board the right person and eventually the right team to make sure that we're all in sync. And then if we're not in sync, we adjust it upfront because mm-hmm. when you allow those issues to fester, it definitely becomes an issue. And that's something that I've had to learn and I'm still working on as well.
0: I've also heard you say now that you started to grow SLA that the world is your marketplace. Now, to me, that sounds like a very big undertaking. So could you tell us what that means for you and how you're going about growing your company with the world as your target market?
1: we had a conversation with a potential investor slash partner. And, you know, part of those conversations is to push back. It's due diligence. They want to really check you and see, can you hold up well under pressure? Can you answer these questions the right way? Mm. And he asked me and he said, you know, why do you believe that you all can achieve this? Why do you believe that you can do it when there are so many other people who are doing this? And I very simply was like, well, you know, we're smart people. I trust in us and those other people aren't better than us. And it's very simple. I think sometimes we think that some people must have some kind of secret sauce, some secret code, that they must have something more than we do. And I absolutely disagree with that. Is access real? Is privilege real? Absolutely. But those people are not better than you in any way, shape or form. Come with confidence. Love it. Yeah, so the idea that we can't do something because of the fact that maybe we started in Lagos or we're both like young West African women or anything like that. So I'm like, I can't allow my brain to believe that. I don't think that I'm supposed to just be limited to one space. Like, nah, I got passports, plural. I want to be free. I want to be going. And so it's important for me to make sure that that's baked into the business as well, because that's an important life value for myself and for Yasmin. And so. We just are like, well, we're smart, we're talented. If it's good enough for this market, why want to be good enough for other markets? And how can we just, as a business, make sure that we're hedging our risk? It's very risky to start a business. It's very risky to start a business in Africa. So, what are other things that we can do to make it easier for us to run a sustainable business? That one of the ways to do it is to get different currencies. I'm all about different currencies, and so that means that you really just have to change your mindset. And I would love to see more young women do that. Absolutely be the queen of Atlanta, of New York, of London, of Joburg, of Shanghai. I love it. But can you be the queen of your industry so that regardless of where you are based, people know that if I want to find the best person who can do this, this is who I go to. And I want more of us to be thinking beyond our borders and those borders that we didn't even create for ourselves. I mean, historically and metaphorically, it's other people who come into our lives and say that, oh, you can't do this, or, oh, maybe you should think a bit smaller, or, oh, maybe you, this that isn't a got, good idea. And then, of course, historically, it's other people who came into our markets and said, this is where you should live, this is how you should operate. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I, that wasn't me. I didn't make that decision. Therefore, I do not need to subscribe to those borders that have been created by others. And it is challenging, let me not lie. It's challenging, it's scary, a lot of self-doubt. I'm like, okay, well... I'm about to go compete and I'm about to ask for all this money. Are they going to think I'm good enough? And I just have to remember that I'm absolutely as smart, as talented, as committed, as focused. And I can go build and create anything that anybody else can do as well. At a practical level, how
0: are you structured to address that market and to attack those goals?
1: Practically, we have been a digital first business from maybe like 2015. So when COVID hit and people weren't able to go in person, I was like, you know, thankfully we've been on Slack. I don't like going into the office anyway. So some of those things weren't an adjustment. So I think the first thing you have to do is really think about your tools and how you're creating your work processes. So any new entrepreneur, just sit and think about, you know what, if I want to be beyond just where I live at, what does it take for me to do that? One, I probably need to have Um, ways for us to communicate and for us to talk, whether it's Slack, Asana, Trello, whatever type of cloud software that you want to use that enables you to communicate without having to talk to people every single day in person, right? Secondly, the other idea is that you have to have people who share that vision. You want to have people who work with you, who believe and who will consistently push you. You set the vision, but then you need people to buy into it and who are going to say, well, you know, I saw this opportunity. I think we should take a look at it. I saw that this was this was important. I think we should pursue this. I think the third thing that you have to do is that you have to also be aware of what's happening in the world around you. Whether that is reading articles and blogs in your industry, staying up to date on the news, but it's really important that if you want to operate in these markets, you have to understand the economic climate You have to understand the people. You have to be aware of what's happening. So you as a person have to change and shift your focus to make sure I'm reading, I'm following people from different spaces so that I'm aware of what their problems are and how I can solve them. And then I would say lastly, of course, is that partnerships are so important and partnerships have been so critical for us from a revenue standpoint, which I know a lot of us love to think about, how do I get this brand to pay me for something? And that's absolutely great. But secondly, from an impact and a reach perspective to say, how can I use this collaboration to help build my credibility, to enable me to walk into new rooms as a trusted partner with this brand and for me to understand what's happening in the space without having to do all of the groundwork by myself.
0: Mm. And I've followed you on social media for a while and I see that you do share quite a bit of valuable information. So as a business owner, how do you balance the time that you spend building your
1: personal brand with building your business? That is something that I have been playing as an experiment, actually. It's been an experiment because when you're first starting out, the number one focus is on the business. And I will always choose my business over myself any day. That's just because my business is what gives me as a human, the credibility. I can't be telling you to go do X, Y, Z, if people look at my business and it's flopping, that's inconsistent. And it's really important that if you want to have an authentic personal brand, that there's consistency and people can see that you are actually practicing what you are preaching. So the business always came first and that was the primary focus. But part of scaling means stepping back, And so once I was no longer the person who was on Instagram every day, I wasn't creating all the content that gave me a bit more of headspace and it's hard being creative. And I think all the creators can understand it's a hard being funny and interesting and coming up with all these ideas all the time. So once I had a bit more headspace, I said, you know what? Okay, that's cool. I can just observe. I can coach. I can support others as we build out this entire team to do that content and do the work. And then I said, you know what, if I've been able to do it for the business, can I try and do it for myself? So honestly, it was an experiment to say, okay, what would it look like if I took this thing a bit more seriously? Partially just as a creative outlet, because I'm like, you know, it'd be fun to do something for myself. And then secondly, to just say, let me try something different. And then after that, I just said, how can I use this personal brand and this public persona to help drive business and opportunities for myself and for the brand. And that's what it's evolved to. And I found that the stronger I have as a personal brand, the better I'm able to secure deals and partnerships and relationships for the business and use them to go together in tandem and hand in hand. And I don't think that's for everybody. A lot of people are nervous about being in front of their brand and I don't think it's necessary, but every single brand does need a story, does need a compelling hook and angle. And so you have to figure out how you're going to do that. And for me, these past two years, it has been spent about how do I then just show more of the process and let people see that, you know, there are some people behind this brand who are mm-hmm. very different. I'm very different than what my business is doing, but this is how we think about it. And this is how we got here.
0: Mm. And it also seems like every time I turn around, you're speaking on a different stage, either in person or virtually these days. And you've also talked about two different types of speaking engagements that have helped you build a global brand and, and land those partnerships. Could you talk us through what those are and how they work for you?
1: Yes. So money is important. And I have to say that because a lot of us are nervous about talking about money. Mm. We're nervous about seeming too money hungry, but this hair costs money. <laughs> Apparently, you have to pay it on a consistent basis. Mm. Lip gloss is not free, right? I I think that money is should be something that's just normalized, as we like to say these days, right? It should be something that we see as a means to an end. And I start off by talking about money because when I go out and I'm putting forth this content or this experience, this whatever, I'm thinking about how is this going to end up generating revenue? And there can be a short-term process or it can be a long-term process. But the end goal is to generate value for whomever I'm working with and generate revenue for myself or for my business. The short-term way is to get paid to speak for your expertise, your knowledge, your skills. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. That's one of my personal revenue streams. And it's great because business school also wasn't free. So I had to go and learn all the hours as a consultant, all that time I spent on the road, all of that is really valuable. And I know that the lessons and the insights that I share enable people to go and generate real impact and revenue for their business. So I have no qualms with charging somebody. And I think the, the more time you spend being like, Hey, what's your budget? hey, how much are we charging? Or hey, this is how much I charge. The easier it gets to be very clear, you are providing a service and don't let anybody tell you that you are not. If you weren't providing a service, they wouldn't have asked you in the first place, okay? So that's the short-term version is around doing public speaking and getting paid immediately. However, if your goal is to secure more brand partnerships for your business and that's you separate, then I like to think about using public speaking as a strategic way to get in front of your clients. If it's for your personal brand, typically it's going to be a direct to consumer audience and they may not be people that can hire your business. Sometimes they will be, but oftentimes they will not. And so you really want to think about who are those people who actually can sign those contracts, who can help me secure those deals, and how can I get in front of those audiences? Typically, they're going to be more industry focused. They're going to be more niche. They won't be as popular but those spaces are where your buyers are. And for those kind of opportunities, I think it's absolutely okay and it's strategic and it's smart to say, no, actually, you know, I, I'm fine with not getting a speaking fee, but here are some of the things that I want to make sure I get out of the experience to ensure that it's a useful experience for me. What are and some of those types of things? Absolutely. So one of those things is negotiating press and media and negotiating that you will be highlighted as a featured speaker because it's part of your credibility. If you're saying that you want to go and charge somebody $50,000, $100,000 for this service that you can provide, they're going to ask you, well, why should I trust you? And when you have those credibility boosters, the media, the press, the links, you speaking at trusted publications and trusted platforms, that builds your credibility and it makes it easier for them to say, I'm going to give you a chance. So absolutely asking for highlights in terms of marketing and promo, but then secondly, in media and press that they're doing around the event. I think the third thing that you want to do is ask for your content. So if you're speaking somewhere and they're recording the footage or they're using it for a podcast, asking for that content so that you can repurpose it as well. It's hard creating content and we should not be out here duplicating ourselves. So asking for that as well is really important. I do also ask for introductions to other speakers. Because it's different when you're somewhere and the person is a fellow speaker. Because, you know, you're, you're the, they're your peer. Mm-hmm. You're their mates. You're not somebody who's like teasing them around. And so if there's somebody who's also speaking, asking the organizers for an introduction, because it's more likely that they are going to be responsive. I think additionally, if there is a sponsor, also a sponsor of an event that you want to get connected to, asking for that introduction is helpful as well. But what's most important is for you to be clear about what is it that I'm trying to achieve from this engagement? Am I trying to get people to sign up for my list? That's also another thing. That if you speak somewhere, doing a webinar, you can ask for the opportunity to share an opt-in so that people can opt-in so that you can follow up directly with everyone who attended the session. But what's most important is for you to decide upfront to say, this is my priority. This is what I'm trying to achieve from this session, from this conversation. And so this is how I need to ask, right? Ask upfront for these things so that I can get it. Ooh, so many nuggets just in that. I think people
0: are always money first. Yes, money is important, but when you're getting started, I think it's important to think about what are the other things I can get from this if I'm not ready for that big paycheck yet? So you've got to be creative about what your asks are and I appreciate you outlining that for us. Definitely. Now you did mention... Connections are important. And early on, you did leverage your connections to build SLA. What does building those connections look like for you today? And how is that playing into your building global presence for yourself and your company? I know you said that you are connecting to people who are sharing the
1: same stages with you. What else does that look like? I am an introvert, which many people don't believe because I have a public persona, But I get drained by people. I'm like, wow, these people, they keep wanting to talk and they want to see you outside. And I'm like, why? I don't want to. And so this relationship building piece is something that I have personally had to figure out. What does it look like for me? And it's so important. You won't always be the loudest person in the room. You will always have all the jokes and doing all the kiki in and all that kind of stuff. And that's not me. That's not my style. And I had to really figure out what does that look like for me to build authentic relationships that also enable my business to move forward. First things first is I had to be honest with myself. When I go into a space, I just want to talk to three people. I can't talk to 10 or 15. I'm just being honest. I don't have the energy. I don't have the range.
0: Have and your so hit that list. requires
1: me to be strategic and do my mm-hmm. research beforehand. To say, you know, who are the people that I want to make sure that I connect with and sending them messages in advance. Right? Research is really important. Saying, hey, Sewa, so I see that you're also going to be speaking at this event or I see that you're also going to be attending. You know, they have all these those apps sometimes for our events that you can check it out and say, hey, this is who I am. I'd love to have a 20 minute chat with you during the event. Right? One, that familiarity because you're both participating in the book in the same segment as well as people being eager to connect during events, that also can be very helpful. But I try to make sure that I'm being strategic and I'm doing my research beforehand. I think secondly is being honest and straightforward about who you are and what your intentions are. You don't need to lie. We're all business people. We know what it is. We trying to make more money. Everybody, even if someone is paying you to do that, they're paying you because they're going to get something from it. They're going to get a service. They're going to get an experience. Just being honest. And so Whenever I go into those conversations, I say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm trying to achieve. And that's why I'm getting to know people. It doesn't mean that I want to sell to that person directly, but it is important to be straightforward about why you're entering into those conversations. Because when somebody hits me up, I'm like, what do you want? I know you want. I know you want something. Absolutely. Why? Get to the point. Don't Literally, pay. <laughs> why are you lying? Why are you lying? And so I try to make sure that if whatever, you know, treat people how you want to be treated. I don't want somebody coming to me, wasting my time pretending. So it's really important to be upfront about who you are. I think thirdly, the thing that I use for relationship building is I also make sure that I am a person that somebody wants to build a relationship with. Like, let's be real. Some of us are not, we're not equals in the conversation right? Obviously we're all God's children and that's Mm -hmm. important, right? God loves us. Your parents love us. Your family loves us. That's Fantastic. But when it comes to business conversations, some of us are shooting above our weight and we're doing that because we feel as if we need those bigger names to co-sign for us, or we need those people to put us on. And sometimes that happens, but people put you on when there's something to be put on. People are going to co-sign you when there's actually something to connect to. You can't expect people to want to work with you and build those relationships with you when you are just grasping and you're not adding anything into the space. I don't think that you have to, you know, prove yourself and go through all these hoops and these hurdles, but I I genuinely want to connect with people who are interesting. I genuinely want to connect with people who are doing good work in their industry. I genuinely want to connect with people who are trying to move forward. And I think that's an intention and a desire for all of us. So if that's how you want to connect with people, are you bringing that same energy into the conversation? And if you're not, then spend some time now building yourself up. Spend some time reading books in your industry volunteering, participating in professional groups, but make sure that you actually have something to add into the conversation. So that's not just take, 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 take. So I want, when somebody comes and talks to me, it's a mutual respect. Nobody's doing me any favors. I'm doing my thing. You're doing your thing. How can we come together do a thing collaboratively so that we both win? And then I say, lastly, I be taking breaks because I can't be friendly all the time honestly, I can't, I, I don't, I don't have the range. I like to be honest about who I am as a human mm. being. And as a human being, sometimes I don't want to talk. Um, I just try to make sure that it's part of my consistent, you know, just overall business development and overall career growth to make sure that I'm looking for opportunities to continue to build relationships. Something that I did this past year is that I joined a mentorship group managed by Adweek, which is a publication for those who are in the marketing and the advertising industry. And they had an executive mentorship program. And that was a fantastic opportunity because not only did I get a direct mentor, but there also was a community of other people. And so once i got gotten to that community, I had to be active. So I set up Zoom chats with individuals. And the, and the intention was not to go and sell people, like sell them on any kind of product or service. But just by being intentional about getting to know people, I then was able to secure a deal. So, you then just want to make sure that you're finding creative ways to get into the room, be honest, be authentic, be straight up, and be a value adder so that people want to connect with you mutually. Mm.
0: So, now I see where you've gotten, where you're constantly reinvesting in yourself and in your business, and it's taken you far. If you were to talk to Efua, who started this journey years ago, what is the one thing you would tell her to focus on in order to get to where you are today?
1: Ooh, what would I have told me in the past? Well, I would have probably said um, start expanding earlier. Right, just started. I think there's so much fear, and even I was like fearful to be like, "Am I doing anything of substance? Does this make sense? Like, does it make sense? Is it working?" And if I would have started building those relationships earlier, I think it'd be very valuable, because it's not really just about building relationships when you need them and when you're ready to turn it into something. It's also just being about like, how can I be an active participant in the community? How can I connect more? How can I share what I'm learning? And it's challenging because when you're starting out, you are all about yourself. You Mm -hmm. have to stay focused. You got to build your business. Your head is down. You're doing the work that absolutely makes sense. But I'd say that that community element, building those relationships earlier can be really helpful. Also, just to let you know that you're not crazy. This is hard for everyone. Everyone's trying to figure it out and you're doing your best. And there's probably so much that you can learn from others. So just starting earlier with connecting with community And getting to know other people who are trying to do what you're doing or who have synergies is so useful just to make sure that you remind yourself that you're not alone and that you can keep going and do it successfully. Mm. So looking forward to the future, what's next for you on a personal brand level and for She Leads Africa? Absolutely. So for She Leads Africa... I always start with that because that's my business. And that's the, the one that allows me to walk up in the spot and be on the podcast. So for the business, our desire has always been to be a global community. And we are, we're so blessed to reach nearly a million women across, you know, 100 plus countries. And the desire is just to deepen our impact and reach more people you will see more digital experiences. We've always loved in-person events, but we know that community is community regardless of where you're at. So you're going to see more digital experiences. We're also driving deeper into how do we really help people change their trajectory? We started the business because we wanted people to find more success in their businesses and their careers. But after they you know, get that promotion, they start that business, how can they translate that into longer-term generational wealth that changes communities. So we're excited to launch some new products that are like, how do we just take this further? And we really drive this impact even deeper. So that's exciting, right? To just be like, you know, after you've been doing something for a long time, you're like, okay, that was a good first problem to solve, but how can you then do more and take it to the next level? So that's what our next year looks like. And we're always thinking about how do we stay on this journey with our audience? How do we stay on this journey with that young woman who... Wasn't sure what she was gonna do after school. She followed our tips and she got a job. You know, she ended up starting a side hustle. Now she's really thinking about investing in her future. How do we keep growing and evolving with her? So that's what you'll see from us is just say, how do we continue to grow and evolve? For me personally, I'm really excited. I've been so blessed so far to be able to build this business, to be able to be out in the streets, having fun, talking about things that I love. I will be launching something exclusively focused on partnerships because I see how powerful it is Mm -hmm. to to create experiences and to bring people together. And it can be so nerve wracking to put yourself out there and let people know that you have a great idea. And so I'm starting something called the Partnerships Playbook, which is going to help people build consistent and successful partnerships. Partnerships of what carried me forward from my personal business partnership to the partnerships that we've done with brands. And I'd love to help more people do that successfully. So that's going to be in the form of templates. People are always asking me, how do I do a deck? How do I know what to charge people? How do I reach out? So giving people the play-by-play, wow, the playbook, Mm -hmm. as well as a community to come together to help people do that more successfully. And I'm excited to to reach and connect and grow with more people. I think so many of us are so smart and talented and we have a lot to share. We have a lot to contribute to the conversation. And I'm hoping to have more opportunities to do that moving forward as well. Ooh, I'm looking forward to all of that. The playbook.
0: I like it. Yes. That's, that's certainly someone who knows about her marketing. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> so how do we connect with you if we want to keep our ear to the ground on when this launches?
1: Absolutely. I would encourage you first and foremost get on my website, afuaosei.com, A-F-U-A-O-S-E-I.com. Join my community. I send monthly emails with opportunities. I also am a little bit sassy, but it's all in good fun. It's all in good love. I speak to people like I speak to people, direct, straight from the heart and authentic and consistent. So if you're looking for that kind of advice, you can join there and then you'll get the information on the Partners' Playbook. Also, I love to misbehave on Instagram. That is my creative outlet. And people are always like, wow, you're so fun on Instagram, but then you're so aggressive on Slack. And it's like, because <laughs> Instagram is where I can have fun, people. That is where I can be me. So you can go ahead, follow me on Instagram at helloafwa. And then on every single other social media platform, I am at helloafwa. And you can drop me a DM and let me know that you heard me on this podcast and let me know if you want to chat about something. I love sending a good voice note.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much. I loved everything. And this is one of those episodes I'm going to have to listen to over and over again.
1: Thank you. And I love what you're doing about just showing that we have so much that we can do in so many different ways. And I encourage everyone to just be like, yo, I don't have to follow this thing that they told me, these boundaries. And that's why I love like off the script because I also believe that we just need to be beyond what people have told us we can do, beyond Mm -hmm. what people have said is possible and be like, nah, I'm going to do what it is that I want to do because I am designed for this. I was made for this. I can do so much more and I'm going to go out there and achieve it. Ooh, amen says amen. Mm -hmm. All right. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you. Hi, Offscripters. I'm
0: so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you enjoy listening to our show, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network. Between episodes, you can find me on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Offscript or you can catch up on past episodes at She'sOffscript.com.